It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After this episode, go to ChristianQuestions.com to check out other episodes, Bible study resources, videos, download the CQ app, and more. Today's topic is, Does Biblical Truth Really Make Us Free? Coming up in this episode, freedom in Christ can be an elusive thing. We generally don't think too much about it until we feel trapped under the weight of some challenge or tragedy. What can we do to escape this entrapment? One helpful step is listening to a true story of someone who had a pretty good life going. Then they were hit with something they never saw coming. How did they find their way out? Here's Rick Sarasi. Welcome everyone. My co-host Jonathan is off this week. Our theme scripture for this episode is John 8, 31-32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Today we want to talk about freedom. Not freedom in the sense of being released from some form of physical captivity, and not freedom in the sense of being able to express yourself without fear. No, no, the freedom we want to discuss and focus on is bigger and deeper. It's the freedom that we can be given when we are drawn to God through Christ and find our way to becoming a true disciple. Some may look at this and think, well, that's not really freedom because discipleship requires being told what to do and how to do it. Well, that observation is absolutely true, but it's incomplete. True discipleship does have a high cost, and the reason for that cost is to ensure an eternity of freedom in Christ and a dwelling place with our Heavenly Father. It's a price well worth it. It is true freedom. Today we'll tell you the story of a dear friend of ours and brother in Christ, Howie Clare. Howie lives on the other side of the world, literally on the other side. We met him through our Christian Questions podcast several years ago, and his story is a striking example of how God's providence works through hard experiences to draw us closer to him. Howie's had some amazingly difficult experiences. He's here to share them with us today. Howie, Thanks so much for joining Christian Questions today. Uh, hey there, Rick. It's, uh, yeah, it's great to be here and uh, chatting to you again, as always. So, Howie, where are you from exactly? So, I live in New Zealand. It's not connected to Australia. I just want to make that clear to, <laughs> to, to our listeners. Yeah, so, no, we're a long, long way from you, definitely. So, literally on the other side of the world and on the upside-down side of the world, I might add, but that's a whole different story. One of the thrills for me is actually, Howie, the journey that you've had, and we're going to get into that, and just the friendship that we've been able to develop from so far away because of God's Word. As we begin Howie's story, we want to also set the general context of our theme scriptures. So here's the context. Jesus was speaking to his, his Jewish brethren and the Pharisees while in the temple treasury, which was a public area in the temple, and Jesus often was there and often spoke and had conversations there. In John 8, 12, we're going back and setting some context. It says, Jesus then again spoke to them, saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, as was usually the case, the Pharisees took issue with these words, and they challenged him. Jesus, of course, answered their challenges, and he held to his statement of being the light of the world. Remember, he said, he who follows me, Jesus, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And as I look at this scripture, and I know Howie's story, it really is a theme for me to begin to uncover your experiences, Howie. So looking back, Howie, several years now before your life changed, how would you describe your personal Christianity at that point in time? Were you a a happy Christian? Uh, What did you study? What was your study life like? Uh, What were your life activities like? What was your prayer life like? What kind of Christian was Howie before? Yeah, well, well, I guess I considered myself a normal Christian. I would do all the things that I thought normal Christians would do. I And certainly the people that I associated with, I don't think I would have stood out one way or another. I would consider my Christian walk as going to church on Sunday. And, you know, my wife and I, we really enjoyed that. We would go and praise God and, and sing worship songs and, you know, enjoyed the fellowship of our brothers and sisters. Uh, one of my favorite times was, you know, the hospitality was great. We would 
would often go to people's place for lunch afterwards and, and get to know them and their families. And, um, you know, that was just absolutely wonderful. In terms of, of God's Word and uh, studying it and understanding it, I enjoyed the stories that were in the Bible. I very much embraced the wisdom of Jesus's teachings. It appealed to me. I think this drew me to, to Christianity. It appealed to me to be able to reflect on my character and see my flaws and make myself a better person, a better husband, a better father, a better work colleague. And I like to work on me and those as those things. And I and I didn't mind I didn't mind the process of reshaping my character. Um, I really enjoyed that. And so, so I so, would so Howie, let, let me just ask you then. So you took your Christianity home with you then. That's really what I'm hearing you say. It wasn't just, hey, I'm at I'm at church on Sunday and then you kind of forget it. But you it sounds like you took it home with you and had had it as a, a daily model. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I hope you're not making me sound way more <laughs> faithful than I was. Uh, going to church and speaking to these other awesome people made me realize just how much work I needed to do. So, I, And I didn't mind putting in the work. I guess that was the point I was making. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, so I would go home and I would think, okay, Jesus was like this. It's a long way off where I am. So, you know, how can I be better in these areas? And I was involved in work that the self-improvement area, if you like, the seminar world. And this was not a stretch for me to reflect on my character and, you know, how can I be better? How can I help others be better? What about studying? Did you do any personal studying? Was it just through church? How did that work? Well, you know, we we have to understand what study means. So I guess I could read the Bible intellectually. You know, my wife and I, we did did attend Bible studies during the week and I enjoyed those, but they were only to a, a certain level. And of course, you don't know what you don't know. If somebody asked me, how did you read the Bible? I would say most of the times it was as a a historical document. These are things that happened. So because they happened, what can I learn from that? And how can I make my life better today in a way that's more pleasing to God? You know, I lacked a lot of context and the significance of those things that I just thought were nice to know, um, but actually they're essential to know if you really want to make sense of what God's plan for us is. When you mention the word context, you know very well that that is one of my favorite <laughs> words in the world, <laughs> and maybe that's why we get along so well, because it is important to put it all in perspective. Looking back at your life before, and it seems like life was good. It was going along. It was pleasant. You felt like you were blessed. You were learning things of the scriptures. You were drawing in Jesus into your life, trying to be a better Christian, better person as you went. Pretty accurate. Yeah, very much. If, if you wanted to ask me for a word, it would be contented. I was pretty contented in my Christian faith, had my salvation all sorted out. I'm all good when I go, a family that loved me, and a happy marriage, all those sorts of things. So okay. yeah, I, was, I was pretty contented. All right. So a contented, happy Christian. That's good. That's good. And folks, a lot of us, we look at our lives and say, yeah, you know, that kind of shows me where I am in, in my own Christian life. The question is, though, is that going to be the way it's always going to be? Is our life going to change? Do things get turned upside down? And the answer is absolutely yes. Things do change. They do get turned upside down. The key point here is this for you, Howie, was a starting point to a very significant life change. Nobody saw coming what was going to come. So let's move forward a little bit. So far, we have a story of a Christian man doing what many of us do. Comfortability and predictability aren't bad things. But while we may have those things, we do need to always keep our eyes and ears open to acknowledge God's direction for us. If we're truly his children, his will is for us to grow in Christ. Growth, especially Christian growth, is not usually a comfortable or predictable process. We're going to get into some very uncomfortable, unpredictable things in Howie's story. And as we set the context for that next part of the story, just want to touch back on John chapter 8. So back to Jesus and his conversation with the Pharisees. After telling them many things about his coming down from the Father and his appointed role, Jesus alluded to the trial and sacrifice that he came to bear on our behalf. Jesus' words to them help us see the pathway of true discipleship. Here's what he said to them in John chapter 8, verses 28 to 30. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, essentially when you crucify him, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things 
as my father taught me and he who sent me is with me and has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And verse 30 says, as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. So looking at these verses, you see Jesus predicting what was going to happen to him. And he's also showing us his steadfastness in only doing what the Father will do and the way the Father will have him do it. And that is a model for our discipleship. That is a model for truth making us free. With that model, Howie, now we get into some hard things. With that model of trial and difficulty in mind of discipleship, what happened that completely changed your life? My friend and I, we belong to a church that was part of a, a national organization, and every year they hold a, a national conference up in Auckland, which is about a one-hour flight and a five-hour drive from our place. So we decided we were going to go to this week-long conference. Uh, I was looking forward to that. I'd been before. was inspiring, a lot of fun. And so I remember getting ready that morning and, you know, said goodbye to my wife and, you know, I'll see you in a week. And my friend and I jumped on a plane and we were up in Auckland and walking into the uh, church, there's about 1,500 people there. The music's blaring. You know, here we go. It was going to be a great time. Just looking forward to it. A lot of people there I knew, so it was a good time. So I was just getting ready to go for that, and I um, got an unusual text from my wife. And, um, you know, we'd been in contact during the day beforehand, and I, I was up there doing a little bit of business, and I was just telling her about that, and things were going great. And she wasn't replying to my to my texts, and which was odd. Um, and uh, there were some great things that I was sharing with her and she told me that uh, she was just a little bit busy and she didn't have a phone on her and things like that. I was dr actually driving to the event and I got this text and she she said to me, it was only brief, and she said, hey, I need to talk to you. I've not been very happy in our marriage and can you call me? <laughs> you know, I feel silly saying this now, but I was really quite annoyed with her to share this because there I was about to go and have this great time and this this was the time she was going to tell me this and mm -hmm. well what what a bring down uh, what a damper and um but I thought oh, all right I, I better better give her a call um, by the stage I was at the event and um so I I ducked out and um I sat in my car and uh and I rang her and I said what's up and she said look I've not not been happy in our marriage and I haven't been for some time and like, I was really confused. Uh, we'd been married for, for 12 years. You know, I thought we were really, really happy. I loved her to bits, um, adored her. And um, the idea that she actually wasn't happy was just so heartbreaking for me. But the fact that I was the cause of it, oh, that was almost too much to bear. I, I was really, really struggling. So it was a combination of shock and surprise and disappointment. And then it turned to fear um, because, you know, I was thinking we were going to have a chat and we were going to try and work through it. That was not the purpose of her phone call. It was to tell me that she had packed up and moved out of our house. Oh, man. And, uh, and I thought she meant pack a bag and she was going to, you know, leave and, and just have, have the weekend to just think about things. As we talked more and more, I had discovered that she had taken her half of our belongings and uh, she had moved into another place and would not be coming back. So there was this graduated uh, realisation that I'm not having an awkward discussion about our relationship. My marriage was essentially over. You know, I remembered at one point I said to her, so you're not coming back, you're leaving me. You know, that process was just so, so difficult. And it's just like seeing your whole world just crumble right in front of you. And re remember, we're doing this by phone as well. This so, wasn't in person. So this is all happening in that first phone call. Yeah. Okay, so you're you're seeing this unfold right before you, before this event that you were excited about was going to start. I'm just trying to get the, yeah. get the, get the logistics. Okay, go, go, go ahead. I mean, you're pointing out there's this contrast in emotions for yeah. me. I was just feeling really excited and happy and uh, and good in the Lord. And then being told by the person, you know, I loved the most that she didn't want to have anything to do with me. And uh, it was all over. And so I went from a, you know, a real high to just the lowest. And, you know, in hindsight, it was, it was easily the most painful, you know, half an hour of my life was that conversation. 
Yeah, I was, I was just a mess. Oh man, a mess. I have never had that kind of an experience. Uh, and you and I have talked about this, you know, several times in the past. But every every time I, I hear this, Howie, it just it is heartbreaking because you're not alone. There's 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 difficulty. There's unhappiness. There's trauma. There's trials. There's misunderstandings. There's all kinds of things that so many of us have, whether we're Christian or not. And to have this just brought before you, it, it's it's crushing. And, you know, I will say that how you are a very, uh, you are an emotional individual. You you really do lead with your heart. And so I can, can't even imagine, I can't even imagine this. So you go back to the event. What, what do you do? Yeah, uh, I was only a couple of minutes down the road. So I drove back to the event and I remember walking in and, you know, everyone's singing and happy and and my eyes my eyes locked on my friend and I could tell from the look on his face that he understood the look on my face and you know something was wrong and so I just gestured to him to come outside and and so I just shared with him you know what had happened you know she's left me and uh, he was very close to my wife very good friends with her you know he he, he loved it a bit as well and you know, on more than one occasion, he commented about how lucky I was to have a Christian marriage the way I did, you know, and he wasn't married. And, you know, I know that was something that, that he admired and, and wanted for himself. So to see this, he was under the same misapprehension as I was. It's not all good after all. And, um, yeah, he was he was shocked. And my cousin who was a who was inside, she was a big part of me coming to the Lord and um, you know, she was there as well. So I got to share it with her and asked her to come out and I was like a, it was like a, a car crash incident, you know, and I, I was the injured party and these people were just coming out and tending to my wounds and they just saw how broken I was and um, how distraught I was and Again, in hindsight, you know, confused was probably another emotion for me. You know, I had a Christian marriage. I had a Christian wife who, who loved God and loved her Bible. And yet she was doing something, it seemed to me, that just wasn't called for by Scripture. And and so that really confused me. This might have been different if I had had an inkling that there were problems in our, in our marriage and that, look, Howie, you're getting all that you asked for. And But that wasn't my perception. You know, I... I thought we were both very happy. So it was that being blindsided and, and, and just hit hit from the side when you weren't expecting it. Um, that was a massive, probably my prevailing emotion. Um, I know that shame and embarrassment came in pretty quickly too because in a way I wanted to share with others so they could you know, understand and help me, but I also didn't want to tell people that, man, I, I've failed not, not just as a, as a husband, I've, I've failed as a Christian. Mm. Um, you know, I I thought I was doing a, a, a good work here in my marriage, but I, I wasn't. I've, you know, I've just hurt this woman so much and uh, I just felt deep shame. Your feet have been just pulled out from under you and now you're, you, you've fallen down. What, what do you do? How do you try and cope with the immediacy of my life just changed in an instant? I have to do something. What did you, how did, how did you try to cope? The initial thing was just, just shock, of course, but then me being me and uh, I'm a bit of a Mr. Fix-It, you know, don't focus mm-hmm, on the problem, mm-hmm, focus mm-hmm. on the solution. So I, 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 I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for a lot of the guys out there, I understand that. I, I can fix this. Um, yeah. Not a problem. I'll, I'll apologize and be contrite and admit to my mistakes and all will be good in the world. I walked out of the, the conference and booked a flight um, back straight away to go and see my wife and be with her and apologize and that's without fully knowing what her grievance was because she didn't share a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I still wasn't completely sure exactly what it was that I had done wrong. I, I should add, because this, the listeners will be thinking about this, was there another bloke involved? You know, bless her for doing this because she she said to me clearly, look, there is, there is no other person. So um, you don't have to worry about that, which <laughs> led me to think of another thing. Well, oh man, you're not just leaving me. You're not even leaving me for somebody else. You'd <laughs> rather be on your own uh, than be with me. And uh, that, my worthlessness sort of, you know, just yeah, it really expands it. Yeah, yeah, it expands. It's like <laughs> there's, there's no place to yeah. hide now. Yeah, exactly. And so while I was thinking a big part of my life had disappeared, she was probably thinking, you know, a painful part of my life has disappeared and she... <sighs> He was looking forward so you know to 
to have the person that you love the most feel that way about you, it's 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 just soul destroying, and yeah, it's really difficult. But anyway, as I say, I, my focus was to fix whatever's wrong and and make it right. I, I got home, and so it was within twenty four hours. And of course, what I wanted to do was meet with her, and. and and again, once she saw me face to face and saw how sorry I was and was willing to listen to her and understand her pain and, and everything, you know, she, she, she'll come around. You know, I'm confident. Mm -hmm. I had one big problem with my plan, and that is she did not want to see me. Wow. Uh, She's not interested in that. And so once I realized that, I said, well, well, can we talk? We're doing this by text, which is just, just yeah. really yeah. difficult. Oh, and um, she said, look, I'll... I'll call you in two days time which come on that's really and so but I thought okay well if that's what you want and so that was a really painful time just thinking you know how's this going to go what am I going to say what's she going to say and so that was really difficult. You're stuck your plans for fixing obviously aren't going to be working this is a problem this is a tragedy that is is like a runaway train. UKS can't get in its way. It is like gotten its life of its own and it's overwhelming you. Again, can't imagine the depth of despair that you feel in that period of time. So I just, just want to throw a scripture into this because kind of looking forward and realizing where you've come James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, so that it may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here you are, being tested beyond what you could have expected, understood, known, and could even reason on and get your head around. It was that big. It was that overwhelming. You're now in that searching place where, okay, what do I do? Where do I go? And then you find Christian questions. How did that happen? And let, let's open that door now, because this is, this is horrible. This is, this is overwhelmingly tragic. How do you go about finding something to do, to, to listen to, to look at, to read, to think about, to help ease the pain? So Rick, there's just something I think might be a value to go back on. So yep. if we can just do a little segment here and then I'll answer your yep. question. Sure. Rick, I flew home and, you know, I knew I had to go and walk into my house and I knew that it would be half empty. And so I, I got my adult son to come with me um, because I knew I needed support. And I got to tell you, if the phone call was the most painful experience of my life, this was probably the second most painful. To walk into your house and see all the things that reflected your your wife's personality and and everything gone, you know, I went into the bathroom and I, I opened up the cabinet and it was just my shaving razor and things, the shaving foam in there, all her little womany things, they'd all gone. And it was so, so sad and so painful to know that her and her family and friends had been through our house and had been emptying it of all her things while I was away, you know, because I... I loved them, they were my friends, and they were my family too. Just the enormity of this is like a tidal wave of emotions just coming over me. It was it was just so difficult. And um but I did get the chance to talk to her and um and we had that conversation and during that time she made it very clear to me because I kept saying to her, Okay, so when are we gonna meet? How are we gonna make this better? She really made it clear to me, although Emotionally, I, I wasn't even hearing this. It's over. We aren't getting back together. I'm not coming home. Our marriage is over. It was actually going to take me a year to realise that it was over um, because, as I'll share um, later, the hope was still there for me that, okay, this is just a knockback. This is just the first round. Um, I, I, I can take this. Um, she'll come around and I still clung to hope and, you know, I've learned from my experience that hope is a good thing, but hope is also a very, very difficult thing um, if it's false hope. Yeah. And I didn't realize it was false hope. Um, I was clinging to something that wasn't there at all. So, You said it took you about a year to, to come around from that. So you are struggling in this for a very long time then. Very much so. I would be going to work and I could barely do my job. I work a lot on my own, so... I could cry on my own, and I did that for many, many weeks. 
I think I worked out I couldn't go for more than about three minutes without thinking about her. Mm. And, you know, when something like that is just so on your mind, it's very exhausting. Sure. Um, you know, I've never struggled with depression, but I've known others who have, and I, I wanted to make sure that I protected myself from that possibility. And so I did a number of things to to guard myself that. So I, I would talk to others, talk to my pastor. I would spend time with my, you know, with my family and all those sorts of things. So I'm really glad I did that because I, I kept away from, from being dragged down into a depressive state. I'm sure I suffered some form of depression, but it wasn't debilitating. But yeah, it was pretty hard going to work and trying to function normally and sure. just to be so sad. I remember one person said to me, gosh, you look like the, the world has collapsed on you. You've got the world on your shoulders. Yeah, yeah, he and was I right. Felt like saying, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. exactly how, how I was feeling. Man. Yeah, I, look, I was very blessed. I, I did have people who cared about me, around me, and you know, they struggled for things to say sure. to make me feel better. I relied on my pastor to, to provide me with good, well, not just moral support, but also guidance in terms of what God was wanting me to do, what the scriptures said about these sort of situations, because, you know, I really wanted to do the right thing by God. I know what I wanted in my flesh, but I also wanted to to do the right thing by God and, and by my wife. I wanted to meet with her, but I, I'd read some stuff that said, look, women in these situations really need time. They've left for a reason, and it's to be away from you. So I thought, well, that's okay. I'll, I'll give it that. I don't want to come across as pushy, but I wanted to know that I still love her dearly and still wanted our marriage to, to be reconciled. You know, I can't speak highly enough of my pastor. He was wonderful and loving. You know, he put up with the tears as well and all the millions of questions I had. I was surviving, which yeah. anybody who's gone through anything like this or another tragedy, you know that that's some feat in itself just yeah. to survive, just to get out of bed every day, let alone go to work, um, have a smile on your face. That That is a remarkable achievement, and I was thankful I was able to do that. You're going through, you've got support, your pastor is wonderful, and you are going from utter despair to surviving. It's a coping process that because you have no sense of what the end is going to be, and right now it's not going in the direction you want, you're looking at this and saying, this is, this is really, really, really difficult. As you're going through and you're coping and you've got your support, tell us about your son's interaction with you and just your next step. I'll throw a new word in here. I was contented before this all happened. My my predominant feeling now is hopelessness. Okay. Um, I just didn't see any way of, of getting my marriage back together. So um, I decided it's going to have to be through God. I, I can't make this happen. I've tried to. There you go. How can, how can I ensure God is walking with me here and I'm, I'm walking close to him? So I had a chat with my pastor and he said something very interesting to me. He was shaking his head and I said, what is it? And he says, you know what? I, I've worked out that I've probably had about a dozen people, couples included, sit in front of me with a similar story to yours. And you're telling me you want to draw closer to God. Do you know how many have done that out of those 12? And I said, how many? He said, zero. Oh, sheesh. He said, none of them, Howie. He said, they all have walked away from the Lord. And I was, I said, look, I don't understand that. I, I can't carry this burden on my own. I want God to help me. What's up with that? So, and, and I must admit that really encouraged me because I'm sort of the sort of guy that if someone tells me I can't do it, then I, I think I can. And <laughs> if everyone else gives up, I don't want to give up. So that, that sort of gave me a bit of determination as, look, I, I'm going to be that guy that presses into God. So I thought, well, how can I do this? You know, my time's limited. I, I work long hours, but, but I was talking to my son about it. I, I, I said, look, I want to find out more about what God wants me in this situation but I just don't really have time. You know, my time's limited. And he said, well, Dad, you know, you drive a lot in your job. Do you know about podcasts? And I said, well, I've heard of them, but I don't really know what they are. Don't judge me, folks. It was like six <laughs> years ago, right? <laughs> Technology has, has marched on. And, and he said, man, no, podcasts are great, Dad. As long as you've got Wi-Fi coverage, you know, you can listen to podcasts. And there are a lot of Christian podcasts, and you'll be able to do that for hours a day. And I thought, well, I'll give this a shot. This sounds really good. So I typed in Christian podcasts. Okay. <laughs> it was the two words I, I typed into Google. So I looked at the first two and they looked all right, but they looked a little light. They didn't have a 
great deal of content. And but I saw this third one, and this third one was called Christian Questions. And so I looked at it and I thought, wow, there's quite a bit of content here. This this is looking good. I'll, I'll, I'll give this a go. I started listening to these two guys, these two Americans, and um, <laughs> one just sounded like the nicest guy in the world. That's Jonathan. That's got to be Jonathan. Of course, it's got to be Jonathan. Of course, it's Jonathan. Oh, okay. well, that's, the, that's the guy I want to be. If I was a guy like that, no, my wife would never have left me, you know, and I just, he was so, so loving and gentle. But there was this other guy, and he was kind of annoying in a fun way. And <laughs> wait, wait, this... wait. Did you say annoying? <laughs> Did, yeah, he would, I heard he that. Would okay. Interrupt, okay. He would interrupt the other guy. Oh, like I'm doing like, right now, you mean? Like you just did Okay, now, okay, you know? just checking. <laughs> yeah, so he interrupted this really nice guy, and uh, he would say things that were really confronting, and um, he had this squeaky little voice, and actually I thought it was a woman the first time oh, I heard him. Okay, I, this is getting you, better. You, you, he's, <laughs> Sorry, brother. It's all good. I man. think you must have got really excited and things like that. And I thought, oh, hang on, these Jonathan said his name was Rick. So my first reaction to Christian questions was, man, these guys are having a lot of fun talking about Christian things. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, this banter, and you know, I love to have a laugh, and I love being with my with my male friends, and and having that joshing and, and everything. And you guys were having. It. I thought, oh man, this is a bit different. This isn't all super serious all the time. And all religious-y and, and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll give these guys a listen to. I would listen to podcasts after podcast. And um, at, at that time, you had talkback. You know, you were fielding calls from people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I that interested me because this wasn't pre-scripted. You guys were just shooting from the hip. And I remember being amazed by, I mean, you know, our friend that I'm, I'm talking about, he he was not a believer. He was, uh, well, he was an ex-believer. He, and he, was, he, an, he was an atheist. Atheist. He was an out and out yeah, atheist. Yes, yeah, yes. and I could tell he was carrying a lot of hurt, but he was also angry. And so he would ask you what I thought were extremely difficult questions. And, and I got a wee bit upset with him at times. But Rick, you always amazed me with how I mean, both of you dealt with him. So loving, so patient. You never told him off, even though he was so wrong in some areas. And and, you know, of course, you answered them according to scripture. And I thought, man, I can really um, learn a lot of lessons from these guys about how to deal with people and understanding the word of God. That really impressed me. I made a decision. This is worth my time. Uh, I will commit to regularly listening to these podcasts. And of course, the wonderful thing you had that no other podcast had was these archives. I thought each weekly session was great, but you had literally hundreds. I think you got over the thousand mark worth of podcasts on every conceivable topic. The website was easy to negotiate. I think I was listening to around about two or three podcasts a day. Thanks. These were in the days where your, your podcast, Rick, were two hours two long. Hours. <laughs> Yeah, and I I didn't always listen to them just once. No wonder you thought I was annoying. You heard me six hours a day. Okay, I'm getting the picture now. Go ahead. Yeah, no, exactly. And of course, with that came the, I mean, there was the spiritual food you were feeding me and the learning was just incredible. But there was also the friendship that was developing between us. You know, I was getting to know you guys and I think these guys are pretty cool. Yeah, I relate to them. They're real. Other Christians I'd met, they were all nice and, and very loving and dear, but there was just a depth to your concern for people and your concern for the truth, your passion for discerning truth from error that I really had never experienced before. I guess in a way I was thinking, I want to be like that. This is what I want to know about. Now, this is me confronting my Christian walk. Of course, I'm still trying to deal with the pain and loss and grief Yeah, sure. that I was undergoing with uh, with my wife walking out on me, which was only, it was only months before. So yeah, it was a dark time, but it was a, a great time of light and truth as well. Yeah, it's an interesting time for me you find this this podcast and what draws you is the cohesiveness to scripture what christian questions always has tried to do is to put scriptures in the context of real life and just be real about it and not be so deep that nobody can hear you or be so shallow that nobody's going to learn anything it's interesting that that you were so so drawn to these things and and just again a couple of scriptures because you know we're thinking about does biblical truth really make us free and the answer is oh yes absolutely it does and i'm thinking as you're talking about 
this, Romans 10, 14 to 15, it says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? And Howie, my brother, my dear, dear friend, we were sent. We were and, and you were there to receive those messages over that period of time during this very, very difficult, tragic period of your life. You felt like you were establishing a friendship with us. We had no idea who you were. What came next? Yeah, I thought, this is crazy, man. I, I love these guys. They don't even know I exist. So, you know, being in the presentation business as I was as well, I, I understand that, you know, you're on the stage and you're sharing. You don't necessarily what's, know what's in the hearts and minds of the people you're right. talking to. Right. Even more so, of course, with the podcast and radio that you were doing, literally didn't even see the people uh, you were reaching out to. And so I thought, look, for all they've given me, the least I can do is just to send a thank you and just let them know that that I appreciate it. I decided that the least I could do was make it a decent thank you. And so not just a, a one or two liner. I'm going to do something a little more expansive and, and, and just share a wee bit of my heart and maybe a little bit of my story as well so that they know that they've had a massive impact on me and they've they've got a friend on the other side of the world they don't even know about. So I sat down, what it would have taken me maybe half an hour, three quarters of an hour to, to draft that email. It would have been about like a one pager, I think it, it was, and just saying basically, you know, thank you, you guys, you cracked me up, but you also <laughs> challenged me with what you're teaching. You've had a massive impact. I'm going through this separation that's so painful and you guys are giving me so, so much hope. You're helping me be strong in the Lord to get through this and I consider you my friends. I, I just don't know how I could ever repay you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And keep up the good work, basically. And I press send, <laughs> uh, expecting never to never to hear from you again. Um, that was okay. I understand these things. You're all busy. You probably get thousands of these emails every, every week. Um, but, hey, my conscience was clear. I shared with you. I was grateful. I shared with you what was on my heart. So that was all good. Well, and, and, and now the other side of that, Howie, is that the day that you sent that email, we, Brother Jonathan and I, we were in at, at a Bible convention. The convention was just going to get started the next day, and we had arrived the evening before. And we were actually at a, a restaurant, going to have dinner together with several other Christian Questions workers and supporters. And we were just going to have a brief meeting about how we're doing, what's going on, and what's happening. And Becca, one of our CQ volunteers, hands me a printed email. She says, hey, look at this. This just came in. And it was your email. And it was, it was really, really, really a beautifully written story of someone who, who just had overt appreciation. And so when I started the meeting, I said to all of these volunteers, I said, listen, I got to read this to you. I don't know who this person is, but I am going to be, be getting in contact with them. And I read this email from you with that, with that great, great, great deep thanks. And, and Howie, we do get a lot of emails, but you know, when you step out and you show such gratitude in such detail, it really touches the heart of the person you're reaching out to. You find Christian questions because your son explains to you what a podcast is, and you start listening, and now suddenly life is beginning to change a little bit. Folks, how often do we look back at our lives and realize that our greatest periods of growth, change, and progress have come from a direct result of our most difficult, trying, and traumatic experiences? These events shake us up, throw us off balance, cause us to question, doubt, and search. It's in times like these of internal turmoil that God's providence can shine through. If we seek his will, we can be provoked to let go of old ways of thinking and grab hold of his direction. So, Howie, you're in the midst of this great struggle of your life. You found some hope and some peace by God's grace through connecting with our podcast. You wrote in, I wrote back to you and said, hey, can I talk to you on Zoom? So now we have this Zoom meeting scheduled between you and I. Just got to ask you, what was your first impression when you and I met on Zoom that very, very first time? Do you remember? Of course, I remember, <laughs> I remember it very clearly. You know, there you are in front of me. It's the first time I'd seen you. For some reason, I hadn't discovered the, the Christian Questions videos and things. So it was the first time I'd visually got to see you. And um, my response internally was very clear. Here's this guy. Uh, you're going to feel very awkward as I say this, but a, a real superstar yeah. Uh, you know, a legend and share it. Awkward. Yeah, awkward. Go ahead. You do feel awkward. 
all good. Good, that's all right. I don't mind you feeling all good. Thank you. And um, yeah, a lot, look, I know a lot of people feel this way about you. And, you know, you selflessly share and commit the amount of time you must spend and the callers you must deal with and, and all these sorts of things. And you've taken the time to sit down with me. I mean, don't forget, one, I wasn't expecting any reply to my email, sure, sure. but I get a reply. And then you're going to talk with me. Well, okay, that's good. I had no idea it would even go beyond that. I thought, oh, this is a nice to do. He probably does this with lots of callers. So, and that blew me away that you would just give me probably what, it's going to be 15 minutes maybe of your time. And I was really grateful and blown away by that. You know, there's a real lesson in this because kindness is just something that's really important to me. And it's just when you show kindness to somebody, you know, I think you really show the love of Jesus to them, whether you're in a Christian or non-Christian environment. And it's overwhelming for somebody who doesn't expect it. And, and I was a recipient in that situation that you were showing me so much love and kindness and understanding, let alone the way you talk, you know, just so caring and compassionate. But then you gave up your time. And that that was my first response. But of course, the other thing that happened within minutes was just how we got along. You know, yeah, yeah. we, I wasn't even sure you could understand a word I was saying. You know, I'd heard Americans find New Zealanders sometimes a bit tricky. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, brother, you've done very well. You've never shown it in all these years. And let alone understand, you know, my personal situation. And yet you did. I liked you instantly. I could tell we were going to get along. We'd be good friends, but still had no idea where things were going to go. You know, it was such a blessing that that call. Um, that was, was brilliant. And for me, Howie, I remember very vividly, we, we get onto the Zoom call and it's, hey, I'm Rick. And you you had, <laughs> you, had, you had that starstruck look in your eyes like, whoa. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how long it's going to take him to realize I'm just a regular guy. I'm, there's nothing different here. I'm just somebody who's been given incredible privilege, but I'm just a normal person. And we connected on not just the human level, but very, 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 very much on the spiritual level. And for me, responding to that email personally was, in my own heart and mind, the least I could do. Because somebody, whoever it was, was just deeply touched. And the whole idea is, look, maybe this is a Christian who's searching. Look, maybe they've had troubles. Look, maybe they want more truth. Maybe they need to, to have spiritual companionship and, and friendship and brotherhood. And I think of Romans 12, 4 to 9 in this context. For just as we have many members in one body, and all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise those gifts accordingly. Prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or who teaches in his teaching, or who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to that which is good. And my objective in meeting you face to face across the world via Zoom was to just make a connection on a spiritual level with somebody who showed appreciation for God's word. That was it. I mean, that was, and, and what ended up happening is we connected and began to fellowship on a regular basis uh, via Zoom, right? Well, I remember the very sentence you said at the end, which just blew me away, which was, so should we do this again next week? You know, what? what? <laughs> you want to carry this on? You know, I just, just couldn't believe it. I thought, this guy wants to keep working with me and investing more time in me. And yeah, that's very, very humbling and overwhelming. You know, given the distance, if you live just down the road, and let's catch up for a coffee. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, here's this guy that's clearly extremely busy. You know, he's willing to spend time with somebody he'll probably never, ever meet. But, you know, I will take issue that you're just an ordinary guy. I know what you mean. <laughs> but uh, your love for people and your love for God's word, things of the Lord, just they are far from ordinary. But as I know what you mean. After that first meeting, I got the sense and I felt the, I, I believe, I felt the provoking of God's spirit to say, you need to stay with this, with this individual. You need to work with him. He is looking. He needs to be fed. To me, that's what I was provoked to do by God's grace. 
and you were very, very, very open to it. And again, that's God's grace unfolding before us, and that's the body of Christ beginning to work together in a very, very unlikely way. And so we had this connection, and we started doing this each and every week. Now we're studying together as you're listening to podcasts. So you're beginning to see your discipleship now through different eyes. You've been listening to the podcast for a while, and now we've got this communication going. And the hope and new sense of Christian freedom that was being planted in your heart and mind remind me of one, another scripture here, John 17, 15 to 19. This is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane for his followers the night before he dies. He says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. We studied truth together as we talked through your issues and the tragedy with your wife leaving. It was a combination of all of those things, and you were full of questions and deeply serious and contemplative about the things that we discussed. There's a change that's happening in your life now, and you really, really are, are drawing yourself to being able to cope in a little bit of a different way, well, in a lot of a different way. And I saw that. I saw that developing you little by little. My next question to you, how did you deal with the growing contradictions between Christian questions and our personal studies and your church and your pastor? Because now there's things that are not quite even on both sides, and you're sort of sitting in the middle. What began going through your mind as this was developing? It was a gradual process is the first yeah. thing I would say. You know, I would be spending time with you and listening to Christian questions, discussing biblical doctrine and passages from the Bible. And and then I was going to church and I was having a very different experience there. What became clear to me, probably with hindsight, and I wasn't aware at the time, was just that church was very much a feel-good factor for me. It's mm -hmm. about fellowship, spending time and the cups of tea afterwards and all that was really, really nice. And the happy music and, and giving praise to the Lord and, you know, just singing about how lovely, how great God is and how wonderful Jesus is and all those things. But it lacked the depth. You know, always my favorite time during church time was the teaching. You know, I wanted to know more. And the things that I was content to hear in the past was suddenly not, this isn't enough, was, was one conclusion I had. And, and then sadly, I don't think this is right. Interesting. There is a conflict here. And if what my pastor is saying is right, then what Rick is saying is wrong and vice versa. So I, I kind of had this this thing, this conflict going in my mind is like just something's not adding up here. And it wasn't on one topic. It wasn't on one verse. <laughs> it was just about like on every one of them. And this area doesn't sound right. This subject doesn't sound right. This answer doesn't sound right. And so I, I mean, you say I like, ask a lot of questions. Well, this only provoked more questions. Oh, I know. I yeah. know. I know. There's questions yeah, yeah, upon yeah. questions. And Rick, what about this? And what? And my pastor said this. And what do you think? And and so we. it was this very free back and forth just whatever came into your mind from a scriptural perspective, from a spiritual perspective, we put on the table and talked about. Yeah, and I mean, the difference, Rick, and I don't think you, I've ever shared this with you, is that, so I wasn't just asking you questions, I was asking my pastor questions. Oh, you were? I needed to give him an opportunity to say, well, look, this guy's teaching this, but you're saying this, or, or explain. And the difference in my experience was you gave very complete, very consistent and very scripturally based answers to me. My pastor did not. Now, again, I don't want to badmouth him. A lovely guy, loves the Lord. But when somebody is unable to answer your questions, then you have to question, well, is that the truth or is that not the truth? Contrast that with somebody else that's taken an opposing view, being able to answer all the questions consistently according to Scripture. And, you know, my, my path ahead was beginning to become clear. And I want to mention this because you had talked in your previous experience when you were going through this this horrible, horrible uh, experience at the very beginning when your life, wife first left you. That pastor was the one who held you up. So he had this heart for God, and he had this desire to to keep you in the way, to keep you looking up 
And I, I just, I, it, it really is a wonderful blessing. You know, things are, things are different now, but I just want to draw attention to the role that he played in your life at the most vulnerable point in time of your entire existence. He was one of those people that was there for you. And I thank God for that. I absolutely, positively thank God for that. So the questions and the difficulties started to grow and blossom. And you're, you're seeing things from different perspectives now. When we set our hearts and minds on new patterns of thought that bring a new and by God's grace, stronger sense of real true discipleship, we're bound to have issues and challenges continually arise. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Being a follower of Christ is not just a one-time decision. It's a daily transformation that causes us to reassess all of our lives and our previous commitments. The question always is, am I focused on moving forward to higher freedom in Christ or am I drawn back to that which was once comfortable? And Howie, I watched this part of your Christian development firsthand because you and I met pretty much every week for, I don't know, maybe a year or, or something. We were just, we became fast friends. We shared experiences. We shared our studies. We shared our questions. We, we shared prayers uh, for God's grace and wisdom. So as we uncover the next phase of your Christian walk, I want to requote our theme scripture, John 8, 31 to 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So if you continue in my word. See, people had believed in him, and his advice was, if you continue in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Tell us about the trip okay and you know exactly what i'm talking about and because this was a big thing for you what journey did you have your heart set upon and then what journey did you end up taking tell us about the trip just the context essentially like the words so much i had a foot in each camp really yeah, i yeah, had you a did. foot firmly planted in my home church i had a foot planted in you know and what i was learning from you and being part of the church my pastor had an overseas ministry. He would travel to India once a year, actually. I think it might be every two years now to preach the gospel and to see people come to the Lord. And as part of that, to conduct a healing ministry. There were these people in very poor communities who had all sorts of ailments and afflictions. And he would go up there and, and, and part of that. And he would sometimes take a team and, and they would do healing. Also part of that, in between, he would run two or three times a year a an online service where he would preach the gospel. And so we'd have to get up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and this is during the week. So I started work at five in the morning. So that was a bit tough. And he would preach the gospel for about 45 minutes and then give the altar call, if you like. And like 100 people would come to the Lord, make a decision for Christ. So... He said, look, these things cost money. We need need you to dig deep, people, and uh, help fund all this. Man, I was just a real proponent of tithing and everything like that. So I thought, I'm in. 400 bucks, let's go. Mm -hmm. 400 bucks, that's uh, uh, $4 a soul. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be able to stand before God and say, I've done a good thing. And so I sponsored some of these events and um, just was amazed. So then uh, my pastor said to me, listen, I've got this trip coming up in about a year's time. Uh, for next year and I really would like you to come to India and to preach and I said what about the healing thing you know I'd never done anything like that laid hands on people or anything like that and he said yeah you can be involved in that be part of that and at the time I was really excited I, there was a curiosity in me that wanted to see these limbs grown back and uh, people who could never walk um, walk and blind people see and all these sorts of things yeah so i was really excited about that so i made the decision i'm going and i paid my 50 percent deposit i think on my trip through uh, a, a travel agent and uh, i was all set to go and uh, i remember being excited about telling you about this oh yeah 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 <laughs> and just just before you go further you know you're telling me about this trip and about all of this healing and, and of course those are things that we don't believe are scripturally sound at this point and i'm listening and hearing this incredible excitement and I'm thinking to myself, okay, let him think it through. Let him work through it. Give him encouragement scripturally, but let him, let's see if, if, if he can put this all in order. 
I've, I've got a little bit of a trepidation on my side because you are really excited about this trip. I mean, and when Howie gets excited about something, everybody around will know it. <laughs> and so we're, we're going through several weeks of, of studying and, and talking and, and all of that. Now pick up and, and continue. Well, of course, as I was doing this and we were having our Bible studies, I was still listening to lots and lots of Christian questions. And um, so I would go back through the archives and, and pick out some of the, the things I wanted to learn about. And a lot of them were these things around the conflicts I was having with what I was learning from you and what I was learning from my pastor. And hey, look, not just him, every pastor that I've been under before that, I've lived in a few cities. So I've, I've been to probably a dozen churches in my time. So I've listened to a lot of them and consistently they were teaching the same things as my current pastor at that time was teaching. So, so I had this conflict and I thought, well, I better study it. Wading through the word was not the way for me. I always struggled with that. that sure. um, I, don't, I don't know where to start and where to look. How does the Old Testament tie in with the New Testament? Don't they seem to contradict themselves? Um, how is something from you know three, 4,000 years ago relevant to today? Struggled with all that. And so I tended not to look for my answers there. But I didn't have to with Christian questions to the extent that you could do that work you know, so well. I mean, like I didn't know Hebrew words and Greek and why that was important and, and all those sorts of things. So because you had done a lot of that work with your archives, I thought, well, that's a good place for me to start. And so I started looking at some of these things. And of course, that included divine healing and faith healing. You know, what does the Bible really say about that? A couple of other troubling doctrines for me as well. So I thought I'd better go and have a look at those things like marriage and divorce, things like hellfire, um, the working of the Holy Spirit. Does God promise us a good life or not? You know, all these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So I spent a great deal of time listening, studying, talking to my pastor, talking to you about these things. Yeah, so that was a fascinating journey. You know, I really enjoyed that process. But of course, as I was learning about the healing side of these things, you know, I was learning a different side to what I'd been taught for many years. Keeping in mind, in mainstream Christianity, and if any of our listeners are, you know, attend mainstream churches, you'll understand what I'm saying. Your church may believe in that, and you may even believe in it, but there is a big part of you that goes, is this really true? Is this really genuine? I even went up for prayer myself and asked for healing. I didn't get healed. And I saw other people with all sorts of ailments. Some claimed to have been healed, um, but many weren't. Or many felt better at the time, but had the same problem a few weeks later. Mm -hmm. So I just had this problem that, man, something is not adding up here. It just doesn't sound right. But of course, the big problem I was having was that I'm you know, in a few months' time, I'm going to be heading off to India and I'm going to be not just observing this, I'm going to be partaking yes. in this. Yes, yeah. And, um, you know, <laughs> how am I going to handle that? Because I don't want to be on the other side of the world and find myself in a situation that I'm extremely uncomfortable yep. <laughs> with. So <laughs> it, was it was a tough situation. So what did you do with that? You, you're, you're, you're looking at it, you were looking forward to it, and I watched over the weeks of our studying together, how your questions started to get bigger and your enthusiasm started to look a little bit more more guarded, I guess, is, is a good way to put it. So what did you end up doing with that trip? Yeah, yeah, you say darkened, I say dampened. Okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't, as because I had this conflict. You know, one day I decided, no, the risk is too big. Uh, I am not gonna commit to this expense, to this time, time off work and go over there and have these expectations on me to do this work and for me to to fold I, I wasn't prepared to do it and so i did a risk assessment basically and decided i'm pulling the plug here now that came with a cost because i had to discuss this with my pastor yeah. and i was not looking forward to that you know i looked like i'm i'm flip-flopping and all those sorts of things and uh, i was still only learning about this stuff as well so would i be able to answer his questions and and his challenges to me biblically um so i was i was a little fearful of that and so, so i decided i would tell him but i would do it over the phone <laughs> so I, I really i really chickened out there and the way it gets worse i didn't tell him the real reason i wasn't going i couldn't uh so i just told him i changed my mind and uh I didn't think it was for me and all these 
lame, pardon the pun, excuses. And he was very gracious. He was, he told me he was extremely disappointed. And I thought I dodged a bullet. Yeah, wow, that's great. Thank you for being so gracious. And I'm sorry I let you down. And uh, I was a bit disappointed in myself that I wasn't honest and, and told him the real reason. But there were some reasons for that. I, had I started that conversation, I don't know, I could have finished it as to why I thought scripturally it was it was wrong but um and that would have hurt him immensely because realize how much he's invested in these trips over the years and all sure. the people he said he's brought to christ and all that that would have been very painful for him to have heard a, a contrary view so partly for him and mainly for me i decided to say nothing so so i had this dilemma so my logical brain kicked in now was that okay i've, I've got away with that but i've got this financial loss that i've got to write off here by <laughs> 50 percent deposit and that kind of bothered me i don't like wasting money like that and then and I had this brilliant idea. Um, <laughs> I, I thought, I just wonder. So I rang the travel agent. And I said, listen, I have to cancel my tickets. But is there any chance of a refund? And he said to me, look, you won't get it all back. But you can get back a decent part of it if you apply it towards another trip. And I thought, okay, well, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I wonder where would I like to go in the, in the world? That's kind of a nice problem to have. Sure. <laughs> and I thought, oh, there is, there is somewhere I would really, really like to go. Um, and there's somebody I'd really, really like to meet. I remember the day I rang you, and I said, oh, "I've got some news. I've yeah, got some good yeah, news." Yeah, and when and when we got on that Zoom call, you were the the cat that ate the canary. You you just you had this big old smile, thinking, "What is up with him? What is going on? He looks like he's bursting." You know, because we had been dealing with the the the, the doubts and the and the scriptural inconsistencies, and I'm hearing this here and that there. You know, there had been a lot of a lot of questioning, but this particular Zoom call, you were just there, and how Howie, you told me that you're coming to see us. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, I was so excited. I mean, I didn't even know whether you'd want me coming over there or what have you, but I was fairly safe in, in, in the knowledge <laughs> that you'd be excited. And uh, of course, you were. You know, the amazing thing about that was, you know, I wasn't to know at that time. I was just coming over to see you. Mm-hmm. Um, but not knowing, not only that, but we could put together um, a really amazing time of not just fellowship, but study, you know, time meeting other brethren who believed in what the Bible says on on these myriad of topics. Of course, I was very excited about the idea of just having the chance to ask you even more questions on top of the hundreds I'd already asked you and at And you point. did, and you uh, did. You came with a list. <laughs> I come all that way. Come on, I've, I've got to do it. Don't I? And, and so, yeah, so, so I, I took a month off work and jumped on a plane and we'd had a you know, pretty exciting itinerary sorted out. No healing ministries involved no, in sir. those things, of course. <laughs> I mean, I've been to America before and always loved it. The most appealing thing about Americans to me is how much they love New Zealanders. I know that sounds yeah, really, yeah. really <laughs> selfish, but uh, yeah, I never stray. Every time I opened my mouth, somebody was was being friendly and wanting to to talk to me. So it was always a nice place for me that way. But uh, of course, the other more serious side was was just being able to have the chance to to learn more and. Wow, what a trip that was! Yeah, yeah, and, and I want to touch on one one part. I mean, that that trip is just—it was tremendous. It was really tremendous. We were at a Bible conference for several days. And you worked the trip so we could be at that conference together, and and we were going through things. And that's where you first arrived, and it was just great. You know, just such a such a great uniting in person for a relationship that had been so strong uh, via Zoom. And I remember we were talking about uh, you know your Christian walk. And there's one detail I want to ask you about. At our Bible conference, we were going to have a, a baptism session. And you had asked me about it. You were, you know, looking at that. And I said, well, you know, this is, you know, baptism is a symbol. And you said, well, and in your initial response to me was, no, you know, I've been baptized. I'm good. I'm good. And I said, well, and I asked you, did do you know, do you really understand when you were baptized, what it was that you were baptized for? And so we talked about that. And that night we had a wonderful, very long, wonderful conversation. When I left, you seem to have been very contented, like, no, I'm good. I'm good. The next morning, something happened. And you came looking for me, like, with this this zeal and this enthusiasm. What was it that you saw in your mind that changed your mind and you decided to be baptized at that convention with these, with these brethren? 
Well, I guess every everybody who calls himself a, a faithful follower of Jesus Christ wants to be able to stand before God and say, look, you know, I was a good and faithful servant. I did what you wanted me to do. Right. And I thought at that time that I could do that. But during our conversation, I realized there was something missing and, and that kind of bugged me. And not at the time that we were talking, but afterwards, you explained to me about a baptism of, of repentance. And yeah, you're right. I said, yeah, I'm all good on that. Um, let's move on because man, when I was baptized, yeah, I was really sorry for what <laughs> I'd done. I, I'd acknowledged my sinful nature, my sinful life, and people I'd hurt and God I'd hurt. And yeah, and tears were streaming down my face when I walked up and, and accepted the Lord. And, and when I got baptized and was washed clean of all that sin, I, I was very repentant, Rick. So I'm all good on that. Thank you. But of course, you went on and said, well, okay, okay. But there is another piece to it. You know, that's when you started to explain about surrendering everything and sacrificing everything for, for God. And everything means everything. Yeah. Well, you mean everything? You mean like my life in that? You mean my time, uh, my passions and my desires? You mean I, I should be willing to sacrifice all that for God as well? Even my car and, and stuff like that? It, like it's not mine? Is, is that what you're saying? Now, of course, intellectually, I had heard this before, but in my heart, I was being really convicted by it. And you, you helped me realize that when I got baptized, I had been repentant, but I hadn't sacrificed everything to God. I was holding on to what I wanted to do with my life, what was important to me. And God's will in my life was just a little add-on, a tag-on that I was willing to do every now and again, certainly between 10 and 12 every Sunday. I'm happy to give him that time up and uh, everything else by negotiation. So, and that's a long way, of course, different from what you were talking to me about. And so I went away thinking about all the stuff you'd given me so much to, to think about, but it was very clear to me the difference between what I did and what you were telling me. And I thought, no, no, that is the relationship I want with God. That is what I, I want to do. I want to do this. You'd mentioned <laughs> there was a baptismal service the next morning. Yeah. And I didn't know how these things were now. I'd never been to a convention before and let alone a, a baptism service and it wasn't a difficult decision. It was a very challenging revelation that you'd shared with me, but it wasn't a difficult decision to say, look, I'm I'm all in. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. I just don't want to be playing around with this stuff. If God wants this from me, man, I, I'm in. And so I remembered just packing my stuff for, for the convention and didn't take my togs there because I wasn't planning <laughs> on going for tra trunks, do you call them over there, I think? But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I had some shorts and I had a towel so I, I chucked them in my bag yeah went down the hall to tell you the good news yeah and it was funny that morning at the convention uh, I hadn't seen you I was busy with something and, and several brethren came up to me and said have you talked to Howie yet have you talked to Howie Howie's looking for you and it's like wait okay all right all right I'm here but I had no idea that you had come to that conclusion and and again brother I got to tell you that when when I saw you at the convention you had this peaceful glow of godliness about you that said I'm home and you know it really, really sunk in for me at that moment when you told me I need to be baptized because I understand what sacrifice is and I am all in on living that life of sacrifice. It really struck me that you had found your way home through all of that trauma, all of that trial, all of that difficulty, all of those contradictions, all of those things, you had finally come to a place where you would know the truth and the truth would make you free. And that, to me, was a dramatic, tremendous, tremendous blessing. And, and how I just got to tell you that sitting in my seat, you cannot imagine the thrill that I have had knowing you, watching this growth and this process as you have gone through your, your Christian life, growing up in Christ and being able to be there and just see it happen from thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away and then in person. So God has truly, truly, truly blessed you. Such an amazing and inspirational story. Coming up in part two of our story, how did Howie finally resolve his tragic breakup with his wife in his own heart? What Bible teachings caused him to see things differently? How has Bible truth really set our friend and brother free? That's all coming up next week, folks. We love hearing from our listeners. We welcome your feedback and questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Talk to you next week.